0: Hello lovelies. So today we're talking about beliefs. And the reason is I came across a quote by Paracelsus, a renowned alchemist and physician of days gone by. It is all one whether you believe in something real or in something false. It will have the same effect upon you. That's interesting, isn't it? So basically, whether you believe in something that is true or whether you believe in something that is a lie, that belief will manifest in your life regardless of whether it's true or whether it's a lie. Now, I've talked before about how our families, our education system, and our society shapes our beliefs. We've talked about reality tunnels, algorithms, social media as well. All of these things affect our beliefs. Now, beliefs have always played a pivotal role in shaping human experiences. They hold the power to influence our thoughts, emotions, and our actions. Whether we believe in something real or something false, the effect on our lives remains the same. Well, at least according to Paracelsus. In Ingo's book, Resurrecting the Mysterious, he has a story about a very unusual placebo effect. There was a young man who had, um, I guess it's called fish skin, and it's where your skin turns gray and yucky, I guess. And this young man was working with two people to try to cure this problem. One was a doctor and one was actually a hypnotist. And what was interesting about the hypnotist is in looking at this young man's condition, which was very bad, the hypnotist believed them to be warts. And this is relevant because the hypnotist had successfully operated with bad cases of warts before and was able to remove them. And so the hypnotist decided, look, this is a really bad case, obviously, but let's start with one thing. Let's start with your right arm and we will see if the hypnotism works on you. And so the hypnotist explained to the young man that he had had success in the past working on conditions by removing the wards through hypnotism, and the young man believed him. And obviously, the healer himself was very confident because he had seen previous cases in which he was able to do it through hypnotism. So they decided on the right arm, they did their thing, and guess what? Voila! the fish skin, or the warts, disappeared from the young man's right arm. Pretty amazing. So amazing, in fact, that the hypnotist took the young man and ran over to the other doctor that they were working with, and they said, look what we've done. We've got rid of the warts. And the doctor shook his head and said, no, no, no. <laughs> These aren't warts. This is a genetic condition that there is no known cure for, and it's definitely not what, so I don't know how you did it, but you can't do this. And this completely deflated both the young man and the hypnotist. And so when they went back in to cure the left arm, as you might imagine, it no longer worked. Huge example of the placebo effector. And it's powerfully illustrative of the power of beliefs, whether your belief is wrong, true or untrue, wrong or right. But one of the things that I've become increasingly aware of is what Ingo Swann calls the veil of lies. And these are small lies. They're kind of societal norms that create beliefs inside our heads and there are tons of them and they are so small maybe some are big but some are small that we don't even realize that we have them now we know they're there because when we're on the precipice of making a decision about doing something that we want to sometimes small sometimes large We know they're there because up rises a feeling in our gut. It could be guilt, it could be fear, but in general, it's a yucky kind of feeling. The next thing that happens is your mind is flooded with all these beliefs that support you in not taking that action. So, On my Facebook page, I asked people for some examples of these kinds of little societal beliefs, and I did get a few. And one was that real men don't cry. So let's walk through that a minute. You're a man, and something devastating has happened to you, and you want to cry. You can feel it welling up in your chest. And the first thing that happens is you get this yucky feeling in your stomach, And that little voice inside of your head says, real men don't cry. And so what you do is you pull yourself together, you take a deep breath, you squish those feelings down, and you go on about your day. But we all know what happens when we squish our feelings down. And the opportunity cost of not crying is that other people don't realize that you're hurting and you lose that opportunity to share and talk about those feelings which is very therapeutic in itself, but also you miss out on the love and support of others who would eagerly come to your assistance if they knew you were upset. And so I don't know, is it too much of a leap to put together the idea that this little belief that real men don't cry could contribute to the massive suicide rate we see in men in our society today? I mean, it doesn't seem like too much of a stretch to me. I admit as well that I'm guilty of this myself, particularly when it comes to this podcast. There are things that I really want to talk about, but I don't because I'm afraid of being cancelled. And that's a huge fear today. That's a huge, huge fear, particularly if you're, as in my case, My ability to eat is tied to my ability to communicate on these social networks. And so I'm not being true to myself and I'm not being (laughs) possibly that helpful to you. I must admit that I have got really sick of Jordan Peterson lately. (laughs) He's acting out like a spoiled three-year-old on Twitter these days, (laughs) and I have more doubts about him than I had a year ago, say. And so I almost didn't watch one of his most recent podcasts, but I did, and I'm glad I did, because in that talk, he is having a discussion with Tim Ballard the inspiration behind a movie that is rather controversial at the moment. The film is called The Sound of Freedom, and it talks about mm, child trafficking. And while the information that they discussed in this was very mm, horrifying, there was one portion of the discussion that really struck me in terms of this process of how the societal beliefs affect our ability to make choices and take actions, when we are called to do things in our heart, but our belief is that these actions might have negative consequences in the real world. For example, my belief that if I spoke about all the things that I wanted to speak about on social media, that I would get cancelled and wouldn't be able to pay my rent or eat my food, and that's bad because I like eating. And so it's that particular belief that is rather influential on me in my life. But what's interesting about this conversation, there's a part that's implied, and there's a part that's explicit, is here we have two men Jordan Peterson himself, and Tim Ballard, his guest, that both gentlemen stuck firmly by their belief. And while they both sacrificed their well-paying jobs, and while they both dealt with fear and uncertainty, at the end of the day, and it might have been a few years (laughs) They ended up in a place that was far much better than they could possibly even imagine before they took the actions that they were called to take by their heart. There's a great lesson in there, and I'm going to play you that section in a minute because it kind of put me on my ass a little bit to think about it in those terms. And what might happen? If we all thought about it in those terms, that would be revolutionary. If everybody spoke up, if everybody acted up the way that their heart was pulling them, how much would things change? How many creations would we have on our earth, small things, big things, if we followed our hearts? So, lovelies, I'm going to leave you this little clip and ponder it. Ponder the little lies that we have in our head. For example, in my case, I don't know that I would actually get cancelled if I talked about the things that I really wanted to. And for those people that were cancelled on one platform, they have found themselves with huge followings on other platforms. And quite frankly, for some of those people that got cancelled, it was the best thing that ever happened to them. Isn't that interesting? And once one door closes, other doors open. And they might be doors that are bigger and better than we could even foresee. And I'm not just talking about being cancelled, I'm talking about quitting that job that you hate to follow your passion. I'm talking about ending that relationship that does not serve you. I'm talking about taking up singing lessons, picking up a paintbrush, even though your first painting might be terrible. There's a million reasons inside of our heads that stop us from doing these things. And here are two guys that prove <laughs> that the things inside of our head must be overcome because life seems to flower around you when you follow your heart. Now, that's a belief that I want to install in my head. Anyway, here are the guys they're talking about Tim making the decision to follow his heart and go and rescue the children and what his beliefs were surrounding making that choice and then the actual outcome of him making that choice. And it's very interesting.
1: She said, do you see the two paths you're going on? Either you go into Columbia and you do this operation... And what does that look like? And, and, and I said, it looks horrifying. It's scary. It's dark. There's, there's cobwebs. I, I, I mean, I was literally imagining this. There's, there's spiders. There's evil things. And she said, what's the other path? And I said, well, the other path is, is, is light. Um, it's, you know, I, I can see at 50, I get to retire. And then I don't have to, you know, I, I'm, I'm paid a federal government salary my whole life and benefits. And that seems secure to me. And I, that seems comfortable. Then she says, close your eyes. And, and, and you're with your maker, you've passed through this life and you're talking to your maker and he has two questions for you. One, could you have saved the kids? And two, did you do it? That's your interview. And she's, and, and, and I got, it shocked me. I thought, oh, that's going to be a bad interview. uh, If I don't have the right answer, if I don't make the right decision here. And then she says, okay, now go back to those two paths. What do you see? And I, I'm telling you, the, the cobwebs and creepy things were now on the path of staying in my federal government comfortable job. I thought, what might I lose? What blessings might not come? And then she said, What do you see down the path of Columbia? And she said, I see, I said, I see warmth. I see, I can't see everything, but that's the path I want. And I think that's what that means.
2: Well, you, Well, you know, look, the reason that people lie and the reason they remain silent is because they think that things will be easier for them and better at least in the short term but the psychological literature on this is pretty damn clear i think i think clearer than any other element of the clinical psychology literature which is that you avoid things that stand in your way that frighten you at your great peril if you cower from them in silence or you turn away seeking security even, or even sensible security, you violate the principle of your own strength. And if you violate the principle of your own strength, you become weak. And if you're weak, there is no security. Like if you're weak and you have a pension, you're weak with a pension. All that'll mean is that you'll live longer in terror. That's not helpful. And the alternative, and there's also an ethos In the biblical stories in particular, and it's a very interesting ethos, it's very much worth knowing. And one is that if you say the truth and and nothing else, you'll have an immense adventure as a consequence. You won't know what's going to happen to you, and you have to let go of your clinging to the to the outcome. You have to let go. But the truth will reveal the world the way it's intended to be revealed. And the consequence for you will be that you'll have the adventure of your life, and the other part of that ethos is this, and it, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I can't see how it can be any other way, which is that whatever makes itself manifest as a consequence of the truth is the best possible reality that could be manifest, even if you can't see it. And you know, in my own life, I've been attacked many times uh, by people who were attempting to demolish my reputation and take me out, and that's put my family at risk, and many times. We've gone through this a lot, and what we have observed is that if we stick to our guns and we say what we believe to be the case, and I say we because it's a collaborative enterprise, I'm always t- to discussing things with my family, that there's a period of intense discomfort, and the, but the, the in the aftermath of that, and that's often several months or sometimes even several years later, things switch around and reverse in in a manner that brings benefits that can't even be fathomed. So, so, and it is a matter of faith, right? So the faith is something like this. Like, are you going to make your way through life with silence and falsehoods? Or are you going to make your, life, your way through life with truth? And there's going to be a price for the truth, but your vision showed you there was a price for the security too, right? Once, once you allowed your imagination to manifest itself, you saw that the pathway of security was actually the one that was covered with spider webs, demons, and snakes. And, you know, I see that, I saw that with faculty members at the university over and over. They would take the so-called secure path forward. And all they did was violate the integrity of their own souls, right? All that security is false. And obviously, your wife, for some reason, it's quite the miraculous part of that story, I would say, that your wife was behind you like that, especially because you said you had six kids at the time, you know? So, I mean, you were, the movie says you were within, what, months of vesting your pension, How many, 12 weeks, something like that?
1: I can't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the exact time, but yeah, that was the, (laughs) my accountant came to me and showed me how much, how many millions of dollars this would amount to that I was walking away from. It was ridiculous. I want to say $12 million or something, a number I couldn't even fathom. You're walking away from that. And that really tossed me. And and that's the thing that led me to Catherine and said, this is what we'd be walking away from.
2: Well, okay. So you, you, you quit your job and you put your pension on the line, and your wife was not only fully on board with that, but perversely enough encouraged you to do so, how has, it, how has the financial support that made your continued existence and also the operations that you've undertaken, how has that manifested itself since? Like You, you don't have your pension and the government behind you, but obviously you've gathered resources around you
1: personally and, and practically how, how, tell me how that came about. Well, I'll add this piece. Cause I, that was my big concern. And, and Catherine said to me, and she believed it, it. This was all in that same conversation. She said, I don't care if we end up living in a tent, we will not go back to our maker. Instead, we didn't try to help these children. So that's, so that helped ease my mind. Cause I thought, well, then okay, if we lose our house uh, now, the, the, the blessings did come, Uh, You know, uh, Glenn Beck was the person who actually funded the rescue operation that you see depicted in the film, that very first one. Um, he got our he got us started, put a huge amount of faith and, and frankly risk in 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 doing that. Um, but that was gonna get us only about six to eight months before we would be in trouble. But what happened was the success happened. The peace that I felt in making the decision to go was that new path that I couldn't see everything, but it felt right, it felt good, it felt godly, and I knew we'd be okay. And and we've never had a worse month than the month before. We've only grown. Success bred success. Donations start coming in. Opportunities come in. And frankly, I think I'll be better off financially uh, as I look at my future than I would have been otherwise. Right now, you, we we should just dwell on that for a minute. So we just we just want to dwell on how unlikely
2: that is. Hey, so let's let's just go through this. So you make this crazy decision to quit your job and to forgo your pension, even though you've basically vested it. And you're well into your career. You're to the point where, in principle, you could have contemplated retiring and sitting to drink Mai Tais on the beach in the Caribbean, which I wouldn't recommend, by the way, as a a retirement plan. And instead, you decide that, and with your wife, that you guys are willing to, you know, risk living in a tent with your kids, but you're going to do this come hell or high water. And the consequence of that is that, perversely enough, you're actually more financially secure and you have more opportunities than you would have otherwise had by a lot.
1: Right. So that's
2: that's worth thinking about, right? That's really worth thinking about because you threw yourself all in, which is what you're supposed to do. And not only did that work on the fight side, because you have been able to rescue these children and to continue this endeavor, but none of the things that you thought you would lose, you actually
1: ended up losing. That's correct. And and I'm thinking of the words you just said five minutes ago about when you take on the challenges you 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 lose that weakness that you otherwise would have i'd i'd rather i you know i i don't want to be weak with 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 a pension and like you said i i was able to be stronger and that strength is the thing that frankly allowed me to expand my uh, possibility of of making more income and and doing more things in fact i often journal um, jordan often when i have the biggest challenges of my life that come and I hit in the face with this or that I I take note, what blessings came, what good things came. And sometimes it's 90% of the good things before me sprung out of that horrific challenge that the darts thrown at me, whatever it was. And so the principle that you're teaching really has played out uh, accurately in my life over and over again.
0: Well, if that doesn't give you something to ponder and to contemplate, (laughs) then I don't know what will. More soon, lovelies. Hello lovelies, I am so excited to announce the release of our new film called Hekka. Hekka looks at the magic of ancient Egypt and how that pertains to the story of ancient Egypt and fills in a whole new perspective that we have been missing collectively for hundreds of years. It features Gordon White, Chance Gardner, Joseph Patrick Farrell, Lon Milo Duquette, Tobias Churton, Graham Hancock, of course, the fabulous John Anthony West, Rupert Sheldrake, Stephen Skinner, Thomas Sheridan, Peter Mark Adams, Thomas Joseph Brown, Aton Veggie, Mog Morton, Bernardo Catstrop, Shona Holm, Mark Passio, John Soraki, and the goddess Joanna Kujawa. back.